Hey, my friends, welcome to Real Live Talk, and thanks so much for taking the time to stop by and check out this episode. For this episode, I sat down with a new friend of mine, Lisa Hamilton, and uh, we just had an awesome conversation. Lisa shares her story, her testimony, and uh, one of the things from this conversation that really stuck out to me is you're going to actually see a couple different examples here of God's faithfulness, but in very different ways. And so uh, Lisa shares at one point about something that God delivered her from, um, just some really dark stuff that God set her free from supernaturally and in a moment of time. Uh, You're going to hear another example of how Lisa was believing God for breakthrough in a particular area and just had to keep waiting on the Lord for years and years and years before actually seeing the breakthrough and the fulfillment of the promise. And I thought that was really, really interesting that both of those things came out and we kind of get that juxtapositioning of of ideas. And I think that that's something that we experience in our lives. And sometimes we don't understand why we're waiting for something for so long, why some things seem to happen so quickly and easily, either at different circumstances in our life or why it's easier for one person or it's quicker for one person and it takes longer for like just these different things that we sometimes question God about or we wonder about. And uh, it was just interesting to see that come through. Um, And so what this uh, conversation really centers a lot around, at least a good portion of it, is waiting on the Lord, trusting God through that period of process where you're waiting for the fulfillment of the promise, but clinging to God um, throughout that journey and uh, believing God and uh, just trusting Him to be faithful to what He's promised. Um, also, the importance of of having that word from the Lord to hold on to and to stand on, as Lisa shares, that it was something that was so important for her in trusting God throughout that period of time. Uh, Lisa, in this conversation, also shares about her ministry. She does a lot of ministry in the homeless community, um, as well as in prison, in prison ministry. And uh, so um, I'm, I'm, we're uh, kind of calling this ministry to the least of these which um, if you're unfamiliar with the verse, I, I get that that could maybe come across as offensive. <laughs> it's not meant that way. It's a statement that Jesus made in the Gospels where he told his disciples that, um, you know, them feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and visiting the people in prison. It's as if uh, w- when they did it for the least of these, he says, it was as if you were doing it for me. And um, so that's just a a term that comes from scripture. But uh, really, really interesting conversation. I think there's a lot of value here for everybody. And uh, just the way that Lisa shares her story and just about the breakthrough that God brought into her life in different ways, it's uh, inspiring. And so I appreciate you guys for stopping by. Thanks for being here. And I hope that you enjoy this conversation with my friend, Lisa Hamilton. So we can uh, can go ahead and kick it off. Uh, Lisa Hamilton, thank you so much for being on the podcast it's so good to put a a face to the voice <laughs> and uh to see you in, in person for the first time and uh it's just awesome to to meet you and i'm excited for our conversation tonight so thanks for joining me thank you for having me it's a blessing to be here yeah it's so good and um uh, uh remind me where you're located we are in milpitas california right outside of san jose okay um and pretty pretty close to like the is that near like the silicon valley palo alto area yeah Yeah. right so you guys are like right right in the thick of it pretty much yeah we're right on the outskirts uh yeah (laughs) very cool 
Mm-hmm. Uh, well, would would you? Uh, can we start off by? I'd love for you to share a little bit about um, just who you are, what you do currently, and then maybe after that we'll back up and get a little bit of backstory and stuff like that as well. So let's start off just so uh, folks ca- that are tracking along with us uh, know a little bit about uh, who you are. If you could share a little bit about um, what you do. Okay. Well, I'm a, a wife of 26 years. Uh, I have five children, and I work from home. I'm blessed to uh, be part of two ministries. One is a homeless ministry that I serve in with my daughter. She's a chef and she prepares uh, gourmet food for the homeless uh, once a month for about 50 people. And uh, that has been a great blessing to our family to be able to be all be a part of that. My children all serve in that ministry. And I also uh, work uh, as a volunteer chaplain at Elmwood Correctional Center in Milpitas. And I serve uh, approximately 80 to 100 women per week uh, with prayer support and uh, supplies that they need, glasses. Uh, we, we bring in Bible studies and we try to mentor the women. That's very cool. I'm, I'm so I'm so uh, intrigued by the uh, the homeless ministry. Um, and so how did how did that get started? How did your daughter kind of get into that and and I guess that that passion for wanting to prepare gourmet meals you know and not the traditional like ham sandwiches like what right. what was the uh what was the impetus behind that well god has given her a gift uh and she's a wonderful chef and she's been cooking with her dad since she was a little girl and then decided to pursue it as a career and we changed churches and uh, started going to harbor light in fremont california and they had a uh uh, an ad for uh, volunteer opportunities to serve the homeless. And I found a position uh, once a month that she uh, asked me to sign her up for. And uh, it was to feed the homeless once a month. And she had a great idea that uh, she didn't want to serve a bag lunch, but she wanted to make an extra special meal uh, because we know that whatever we do for the least of these, we're doing for Jesus himself. So we're serving God, uh, you know, a gourmet meal. And we really feel that um, each time we serve, God is with us start to finish and blesses our our work. So we've seen a a great fruit from that ministry. That's so cool. What what, what are some of the examples of like some of the the dishes that have been prepared? Just out of curiosity. Well, uh, homemade spaghetti and meatballs. Uh, Mm -hmm. She likes to make... uh, uh, Media tacos, but are you a taco? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And on. she she brings the grill, and she she's got a special recipe. It's like the best of all time, and wow. we have people asking her all the time to to cook for for them. And she's got actually got a couple other uh, uh, events she's going to do uh, since she's been serving there. And we actually have a meeting. Uh, uh, she was asked to serve the leaders, the city leaders, all the church leaders. Uh, to serve them the tacos. Uh, this is coming up in a few weeks, so uh, they're all going to have <laughs> enjoy her tacos as well. So that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my wife is my wife is Mexican, so the the birria tacos are like it is. You know, <laughs> yeah, well done. So <laughs> yeah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'll have to share the recipe with your wife because it's just it's a it's a really unique um, flavor, an additional flavor mm-hmm. she adds to it. That people yeah, her, oh, kind of spin on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. No, I'm excited. Please, please do. I'd love, I'd love to, uh, I'd love for you to share that with us. I will. Um, 
Yeah, no, but I mean, even just on that, I love the uh, I love the the heart behind that of wanting to do something kind of on the more extravagant side, you know, to show people who God is. I think that that's such a cool way to demonstrate the love of Jesus to people. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think that that's such a such an interesting way that it, that you yeah that that you all just decided to uh, bless people in that way. I remember. Uh, you know, in the area where I live now, we used to do uh, quite a bit of outreach into the Latino community. And, you know, one of the things that we would do that we would encounter a lot of these um, men that, you know, live in the area and uh, they're they're just here like men living here and working. And so what we would find so that they could, you know, spend as little money on possible as possible is uh, they would, you know, have eight or nine guys to a uh, you know, house, like a two bedroom house and, you know, just very kind of meager living conditions and stuff like that. And we would invite them over and we would use like, you know, nice plates and dishes and silverware and cook like these big meals and stuff like that, just because we just wanted to serve. And, you know, so, you know, somebody could look at that kind of a thing and be like, well, this is, this would be good enough. Like it'd be good enough to do hot dogs or it'd be good enough to do and nothing against that. Like, that's great. Hot dogs are great, too. But I just I do love the heart behind that. That's like, you know what? I want to serve in a way that's uh, maybe just a a little bit more um, extravagant. And I think that that's something that, you know, demonstrates the generosity in the heart of God. And we see uh, everybody that we serve just is so thankful to get the meal and they are overwhelmed with the amount of love and time that's put into it. So it opens up the door for us to also pray and uh, encourage, you know, each person we come across. So, Absolutely. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. And so you were telling me a minute ago, too, uh, that uh, earlier today you were out um, doing the prison ministry. Mm-hmm. And so how, how did that go? Well, uh, I went in uh, and I get to go in on my own now. And that's quite an event. You know, you have to get a key and go through many different gates and be buzzed sure, in. And, and you're in there. Once you go in, you're in. So if you don't have your uh, ID badge on, you're in big trouble. So you got to remember to wow. wear your badge. You're not getting out. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, I went in and uh, unfortunately the guards, uh, they had a shortage in guards. So they had to, uh, the only way we could reach the women was to go door to door, which is fine too, because I can go and get their prayer requests. I can bring them reading glasses and scripture art. And also I bring greeting cards so they can contact their families. And uh, I was able to reach uh I don't know how many today, probably about 10 women today out of all of them. Most of them were sleeping in, which was surprising because it was, you know, between 10 and 11, they're still sleeping in, Mm. which is, uh, you know, kind of sad in a way. But I mean, when I guess if you're there, you don't want to you want to sleep as much as you can. Right. Past the time. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Right. You want as little. Yeah, that makes sense. It's probably I'm sure that's what I would be doing. Yeah, but uh, we heard some wonderful praise reports. And this is really exciting because uh, we prayed for one of the women uh, two weeks ago. Her court date was coming up and she she says, well, I'm going to prison. I'm going to be there for several years. She had accepted that. But she said, will you pray for mercy for me? And I said, yeah, definitely. We'll pray for mercy. Mm. So we prayed for mercy in the court. And she told me that uh, they changed her sentence. 
and she's not going to prison and she's staying at Elmwood, which means I get to counsel her and she's wow. going to be released in July. So wow. it's a huge, that. huge answer to prayer, you know, um, I'm oh, so excited so cool. for her. Yeah. And she has a family, so you know, cool. that are waiting for her. And apparently she has a, a house and all of the resources she needs when she gets out. So we have this time until July now to mentor her and disciple her. And uh, she's open, you know, to all that we share. So we re we're really encouraged uh, that she'll be one of the ones that come back and serve her community and, and you know, have a totally transformed life. Wow, that's so cool. Mm -hmm. Look at God. I know. He's that's just, awesome. He's showing off really like that uh, verse that uh, our blessings are chasing us down. I really feel like that. They're just coming from every direction right now. So we're yeah. really encouraged by, uh, yeah his, his kindness. Yeah. It's like surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And it's, it's just, it's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. His mercy, yeah. his goodness, his grace, his favor, it's going to follow. Um, that's so cool. Yeah. How did you get into this? Like where did not even, not obviously not just logistically, but where did the passion and the, the heart for um, this kind of ministry come from? I think both of the ministries came from, uh, well, as a child, I, I had a heart for the, the poor and the homeless and the lost. Mm. And I'd always often ask my mother about them and why were they on the street and why wasn't somebody helping? Wow. So it was, it's been on my heart, you know, all my life. And, you know, Did that I, just come naturally to you or was that something that you saw modeled or was it just more something that was just natural to you? Uh, out shopping, like with my mom downtown, we'd see people on the side of the road and, and I just felt, you know, a deep sense of compassion for, mm. for that individual that they should never be there. That was, that was wrong. I knew as a child that that was wrong, that there's just too many people in the world with many blessings that could share and that wow. he didn't have to be there. So, so it was something that God put on my heart. And through the years, I never served in ministries, but I tried to help others along the way as best I could. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so cool. Uh, I, I love that. I love how um, God puts that, what, whatever it is, you know, for you, it was this area, but how he puts that desire that that kind of compassion on the inside of you which really does kind of clue you in it gives you a good idea anyway of you know what it is that god is calling you to do or you know one of the the, the areas where maybe he's he's gifted you uh to to serve in or to minister in or you know whatever the case may be that's mm -hmm. very cool so from from a young age you had that and yeah I, i'm i'm very curious about your childhood because i was uh reading your book and i'd love to at some point in this conversation, get into uh, the book and ask you some questions about that as well. But um, I was uh, I was reading your book. The book is called His Legacy of Love. Quick plug, and we'll plug it again at the end, but quick plug, it's available uh, for you on Amazon. And then um, if there's anywhere else that uh, Lisa wants to point us to, we, we'll get all that information for you at the end as well. But um, so in this book, I was reading uh, kind of at the beginning where you were talking about your childhood and how you had these experiences with God as a child from a young age where you would have these experiences in God's presence and stuff like that. Would you share a little bit about about that? Yeah, I can remember from a young age, just always knowing uh, that Jesus was Lord, knowing that God was with me and uh, feeling a connection to him at a young, young age. Uh, 
you know, we had a lot of turmoil in our family. So uh, I went back and forth, you know, uh, with different uh, occasions where I had uh, encounters with God. But uh, at the young age, uh, you know, I was speaking to my mother once and I was telling her about a, a nice man that I met on, on the beach and we rode white horses together. You know, she looked at me and she said, Lisa, you've never been to the beach, you know, how would you, or on a horse for that matter. Yeah. And I, I looked at her with conviction and just said, that was before I knew you, mom. And, you know, I don't have any explanation for that. I don't remember that incident speaking with her, but, but, uh, you know, I do know that God says in his word, he knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb. Mm. So, you know, I, I believe it's not in the Bible, but that we made may have, you know, our soul may have uh, encountered God before we were put in our body or uh, some some way that we knew God, you know, prior to mm-hmm. our birth as well. Wow. So like how how old were you when you started to, you know, kind of have these, you know, as far as you can remember, you know, where you started to encounter God's presence? Uh, well, the first memory i really felt like i had someone looking out for me at a young age um okay. I, I was i i can't remember the exact age but i just felt like i had some uh somebody looking out for me uh you know my parents were my father was a an alcoholic and my mother had mental illness so i was uh, mm. pretty much the one who raised myself uh wow. i yeah it was a tough childhood um i did most everything for myself i remember and i tried to help them as much as i could i remember looking for my father and calling all the bars in town looking for him because i was worried about him coming home and and so i felt like i had like a guardian angel somebody that was helping me through those years because they were very difficult yeah were your parents um saved like did you did you have connection to a church or was this just something that you kind of knew on your own well before no uh, my parents my mother was raised with a christian mother uh although she went uh into the world and and never followed her faith uh my mm. father was raised catholic um but just they never practiced so there was really no prayer church covering at all in our home um yeah i was pretty much on my own. And I had never really met a true practicing Christian uh, until I was born again in, at 33. Hmm. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing yeah. that without having the the presence of that in your, in your home and not having that taught to you from mm-hmm. adults and from other people that it was just something that the the Lord was still able to kind of grab a hold of you from a young age and impact your heart in that way to give you that kind of understanding or that realization that he was there with you. He was there. Right. He gave me the hope, you know, never to give up. Although I was never discipled and, you know, I, I would look at the Bible at a young age, but I didn't understand it. So I read a little Mm -hmm. here and there. And went to church throughout the years, you know, here and there, but never, never understood how to have salvation or how to walk with God or how I was supposed to live. I didn't know any of those things. Yeah. Until right. I, you know, was born again. Yeah. Wow. Um, because then also at the same time, 
Um, I, I was I, I read in your book about how, you know, it's kind of this juxtaposition of things going on where you would have, you know, experiences where you knew God's presence was with you and stuff like that. But then also from a very young age where your your life really um, started to become scarred by depression and addiction and things like that. Is that something that um, you could share a little bit about? When the addiction happened or? or... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, well, growing up in a home where alcohol was abused, I mean, mm -hmm. it, it was, uh, available all the time to me. And, uh, okay. I remember at a very young age getting into alcohol and, um, I used to bring my dad beers and, and my mother told me I was maybe five years old and she found me drunk in my bedroom. And, uh, mm. I thought that was horrible. Wow. You know, how horrible wow. is that? So I, apparently I was taking one when my dad got one and going to my room. So that was my first experience with um, drunkenness was at five years old. Wow. Uh, and then uh, I don't remember much until about 10 years old when um, the divorce happened. And that's when okay. I was hit with severe depression, anxiety, and um, just pain. It was just painful to be alive and to try to mm. function. And so I just found things around the house, uh, prescriptions and alcohol and cigarettes at a very young age. I was nine year, nine and 10 years old, I think, when I started my addictions to drugs and alcohol. Wow. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I can't even, I, I can't even imagine like at that age, I, I'm sure. I mean, did you even know how to process like at all, like why you were doing it or was no, it just, just something that just kind of learning that, the behavior that you saw? Yeah. Well, I just knew that doing those things uh, helped with the pain that I was experiencing. Hmm. You know, not being able to feel the anxiety in my stomach and, and uh, the painful life that I was living. You know, not having parents to raise me and uh, the turmoil and, and uh, that I went through once they split was horrible, you know, because I... I didn't have my dad in the house anymore. It was just my mother and my mother was really struggling with her life. And, and, uh, we were, um, going, we went from having all of our needs met to barely getting by every month. Uh, you know, and, uh, I never wanted to cause any trouble or really, uh, bring any more, uh, responsibility into their life. Imagine that as a wow. child. Yeah. So I would, uh, just go without things and not speak up when I needed things and just try to stay quiet. And, you know, that's what I felt I had to do in my situation. Hmm. How long, I mean, did you, so then was this something that you carried with you throughout your teenage years into your adulthood? Uh, how, how did that yeah. pan uh, out? Course, Is it something that followed yeah. you for yeah. a while? It was about a 15 year, uh, years of addiction that I went through. Mm. Uh, it, it was pretty bad. I mean, I went through periods where God, I called out to God to save my life because uh, I had uh, abused so many different drugs and uh, put myself in really dangerous situations. So I went through uh, the rest of high school. Um, my, my mother moved to the East Coast. So I was back and forth uh, from Oregon to New York to Delaware, you know, back and forth throughout the years. And uh, uh, I would say I was in New York, uh, living in New York when I uh, finally came to the realization that my life is never going to 
Uh, I'm never going to be the woman I want to be or the woman that God created me to be uh, as long as I was an addict. And I just cried out to God. Hmm. Just one day, I just cried out to God and said, God, I can't put this down. I don't know how to live without drugs, but I know that you can help me. And wow. at the moment I said that and, and I had drugs in my hand, I threw them in the toilet. The moment I said that, I felt the chain break. I, I no longer desired a drug. Nothing. Really? I, I was completely delivered of all addiction, all uh, withdrawals. I mean, I should have had withdrawals. I was on drugs for many years, but I had no withdrawal at all. And then instead of uh, uh, having to struggle through it and go through meetings and all that, uh, he just put a hatred in my in my spirit for drugs. And so when wow. I would think when I would think about him, which was every day, I'd feel nauseous. So I stopped thinking about him because I didn't want to wow. feel nauseous anymore. Yeah. So that's how oh, that. Man. And and that, this was before my salvation. I was not born again at that time. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Uh, it's so good. So even <laughs> before you mm -hmm. were officially in the. Uh... Uh, I was, I was gonna. <laughs> kingdom, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so cool! So you just cried out to the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you had this. You you kind of you kind of grew up with this knowledge of God that wasn't really imparted to you by anybody except no. just from God Himself, mm -hmm. just the Holy Spirit kind of watching mm -hmm. out for you. And mm -hmm. I mean, that's it's really it's really incredible because. I mean, it's hard to imagine. I mean, we can't we can't really imagine. Obviously, we don't know for sure. But I just wonder, I mean, where where how off the rails as off the rails as it went, you know, your childhood and teenage years and early adulthood and stuff like that. How off the rails could it have gone if you never had any of those experiences or that knowledge of God in your life? It's just uh -huh. a beautiful thing of God's protection over you and obviously you know the enemy wanted to destroy you the enemy wanted to take you out i mean the enemy you know saw that god was moving in your life and and giving you this you know understanding of his grace and his goodness and all of that and wanting to destroy that and snuff that out and you know you know just kind of you were surrounded by so much stuff that honestly probably should have taken right. you out Right. I but believe God I would be you. alive today if he wasn't if he hadn't given me that knowledge and that that those encounters at a young age. I, I truly believe that. Yeah. Man, that's unreal. So mm -hmm. uh so you cry out to God before you're on the uh before you're even on the team officially. Right. <laughs> right. And you know, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know how to get on the team. Way. I didn't know how to get on the team. Yeah. And even I think you were on the team. I well, think you know yeah. what I mean. I think you <laughs> I was I was on the know, road. <laughs> on the road to the team, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, they believed God and it was mm -hmm. accounted to them for righteousness is kind of mm -hmm. the, like the Old Testament version of salvation. There was no, the veil hadn't been torn, right? So there was no, Jesus hadn't yet come and given his life. And so that there was no covenant of grace yet officially, like all that stuff wasn't there in place. And mm -hmm. so they believed God and it was accounted to them for righteousness. I, I feel like, you know, on that journey that you were on, you just had a knowledge of God. And, um, you know, I, 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 I don't know, you know, just without anybody there to kind of disciple you into what it meant to, you know, be a Christian, to give your life to Jesus, all of that. But anyway, I don't know how, you know, all that gets reconciled or anything, but it's, it's just really cool how God was with you and 
it just shows how good he is just answering your cry, you know, again, before you ever even really, you know, had maybe specific knowledge about how to give your life to him or how to follow him. You just knew that you needed him. Right. Right. That's very cool. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. So that happened at about, you said around the age of 25, 25. Right. And then, so it's still another, what, eight years before you. Yes. Eight saved, years. So. <laughs> yeah. so I, I was married at 30 and I lived in Texas, Dallas, Texas. Oh, sweet. Uh, yeah. Uh, we lived there for about a year and uh, we were called, or my husband was called over to Indonesia uh, to help in a, a test operations uh, company there. So uh, we, I had a 10 month old son and uh, Alex and we were called over and it was my dream come true because I really wanted to raise my child full time. I was working part time and having to leave him and that was really hard for me. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be able to raise him, you know, full time. Yeah. So uh, the offer was great and we accepted and we went over with our 10 month old to a small, or uh, it was a medium sized island in Batam, Indonesia. It's uh, about 40 minutes from Singapore by ferry. Mm. And that's where we uh, were stationed for one year uh, at the time. They called us over for one year. So I said, okay, let's do it. Let's go. You know, we went over and uh, we, um, we got set up, they got us a nice house and we had helpers to, to get us situated and to help us purchase food and, and to, you know, uh, find our way around the island. Mm -hmm. And um, soon after we got there, we were having marital problems. And uh, for mm -hmm. two years, I was praying and asking God for help. And uh, I just tried everything I could that think of, you know, to keep our marriage together and, uh, I was getting uh, advice from quite a few different sources uh, to tell me that I, it'd be best if I just leave the island and go back to the USA with my child. And I thought, oh, I don't know how that could be great. You know, coming from a broken home, I didn't want to do that to my child. Mm -hmm. And at this time, I had two children. Uh, my second child was born. So uh, I really didn't want to do that to my children. Uh, it's just a really tough life to live you know, having both parents separate. Yeah. And so uh, I decided to stick it out and to keep praying. And soon after that, a missionary came to my house and uh, I invited her over. I met her at a women's uh, luncheon and she said she'd been praying for me for two years. And I was, I was shocked. I thought, wow, you know, why would she do that? <laughs> I wasn't, I didn't understand how she could pray for me and not know me personally. Uh, now I know, of course, why she did that. But uh, back then I was very intrigued and I wanted to meet her. So I invited her over to my house and I shared my story with her and my, my you know, my uh, struggles. And, and she just told me, you know, I, I think you should stay. And I said, okay, you know, that's what I want to hear. Uh, she goes, please stay and pray and seek a closer relationship with God. And I go, that's it. I knew immediately that it just hit my heart. And I said, that's what I need to do. And so uh, from that point on, I was on a mission to find God, <laughs> you know, wow. and to keep, keep my marriage together. And uh, as soon after that, I was invited to a church service. And uh, once I got there, the pastor literally laid out my heart right through the whole sermon. I mean, mm -hmm. every desire of my heart, every concern I had was all, you know, 
uh, shared in the sermon. So I knew that God was there and he was speaking to me directly. Would, would you say, Lisa, I mean, was there was there something? Was it that there was something holding you back or it was just that you didn't know? You just didn't know the way like you had never. No, that's it. There was never an invitation to like. Yes this is how you <laughs> give your life to the Lord. Like there was just no understanding of that. Do you know that I so was, it wasn't that you went through this, you know, oh. from 25 after having this incredible experience where God sets you free in a moment. Mm -hmm. And then you have this eight year process where you're kind of almost in limbo. It's like, I feel like that would have been the easiest, you know, conversion experience ever like any, any, any Christian could have walked up to you and said, Hey, do you want to give your life to, to the Lord? You know what I mean? And probably gotten you saved but so it was just like there wasn't there An was no opportunity and you didn't know no. how to do it wow that's it exactly you know that's that's good that you brought that up because i would have given my life to the lord yeah. as soon as i was offered that opportunity i didn't understand the bible i didn't know what church to go to uh i was offered uh to come to a bible study once with uh, a group of christian women uh, but they didn't follow through so i didn't i didn't okay. get that chance but yeah. that was the first time I had the opportunity in, in the eight years to come to Christ. And I ran down to the front of the aisle. I was, yeah. ready. I was ready. I lifted up my arms. I said, whatever you want, Lord, my life is yours. I was ready because I trusted him. You know, he was so good to me and he was yeah. uh, helping me through the years. So, man, that's so, that's so unreal. You know, I, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I bring that up for a reason because I feel like in, in this country, I feel like a lot of Christians have the idea that everybody's heard it. Yeah. They're like everybody in our country, like, like that everybody's heard of God. Everybody's heard of Jesus. Like everybody's had that opportunity. And the reality is like, no, there's mm -hmm. so many people out there that have not, that just have never had the opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, oh man, it's, it's amazing. You know, I mean, what Jesus says, um, the in uh in john chapter four that the you know the fields are white under harvest and and i feel like we're we're so you know we have this tendency to just you know feel like we're going to be offending somebody by telling them about jesus or we're going to be doing right. it but there are people out there that are just ready like because they've gone through so much hell in their life or because whatever it is but i mean that that god has already been working on their heart in so many different ways throughout their years maybe without them even realizing it mm -hmm. but i mean there's people out there that are just ready mm -hmm. for for you or me or anybody who's willing to walk into their life and to just share the good news with now i mean it's not that easy with everybody you encounter of course but but like i mean said, there's people out there that are so life. ready yeah. yeah i agree completely oh, man so then um so you got saved at 33 mm -hmm. and now you are the right the only you were that wasn't your husband your husband wasn't with you right that was just you right. so now are you still at this time having marital problems and is all that stuff kind of still going on or or what's happening at yes. your life in this point yes yeah. so I have to share also that the moment I was saved, when I went down to the front, uh, the pastor uh, thankfully led me through repentance and, you know, made a point to say, you know, we have to turn from our old life now and walk with God now and do what he says. And, you know, not everybody says that these days. 
So people just think, oh, we just keep walking the same way and we're going to experience God. And, wow. and that's, not, that's just not true. Uh, wow. So thankfully, he understood repentance and we all, uh, you know, walked through repentance with the pastor before we gave our lives to God. And then I, I literally felt the Holy Spirit just filling my body and driving out all anxiety and depression. He filled me with joy. It was the most beautiful experience I've ever had in my life. And from wow. that point on, I have I have experienced that joy and peace that he gave me at 33. It's never wow. left me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So uh, amazing. Yeah. And then my husband got a new wife <laughs> overnight. It's like, wow, who are you now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so everything changed, of course. And uh, he could not understand why I didn't want to go out anymore that I wasn't interested in any of that. And I just wanted to stay home and read the Bible and talk to God. <laughs> and that's wow. what I, yeah. And so that was a, a new challenge, a new uh, road, a trial. Boy, uh, you know, we had to go through uh, several years uh, where I had to call out to God for help, direction, wisdom. What do I do now? You know, I made it my life's mission, uh, you know, to see my husband in the kingdom because I wanted to raise my children in the faith and uh, have God's blessings in our life. And that was my number one mission. So I would pray and fast and have all my Christian friends pray for my husband. And, you know, we'd be waiting and looking and hope, hopefully he'd come into the faith. And, you know, and after a few years, I just kind of cried out to God and said, okay, God, you know, should, should I stay? What should I be doing? You know, uh, mm things didn't change, you know, that I was still having some severe problems with my husband. And uh, um, so uh, I was at a point where I was thinking I should leave, you know, and I had a pastor tell me you should leave. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, but then I prayed and I said, God, I need a confirmation from you. And uh, what I heard in my spirit when I was crying out to God was wait. I heard it clearly, wait mm -hmm. and trust me. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to wait. That's all I need. If I know you're working on it, uh, I'll, I know it could be a long time, but that's okay too. But at least I know I'm in the right place waiting with God. And uh, it was so beautiful. Uh, right after that prayer session with God, I got on my computer, I went to my inbox, and I had a message entitled, Wait. And it was a poem by uh, Russell Kelfer. And it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And those words in that poem kept me uh, hopeful through many, many challenging years. So that is how God wow. blessed me with uh, the ability to wait uh, for my marriage. And wow. I'll have to tell you, it was 15 years 15 waiting for my years. husband. Yeah. And then my husband came to me one day and told me, uh, uh, okay, I want to raise our kids in the faith. I'm ready to do this. And I said, wow. that's it. <laughs> you know, that's the wow. answer to prayer. God is faithful. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That was a long wait. A lot of prayers. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Um, no, but that's um, that's amazing. I, I think that that's so inspirational because I know that that's a story that so many, uh, so many people have, you know, yeah. so many people have just believing for their spouse or believing for one of their kids or, you know, believing for mm -hmm. a family member, close friend. And um, it, it really, you know, it really is. It, it's, it's interesting here kind of looking at your story, how you had this one experience when you were 25 before 
you even, you know, again, before you had even given your life to Jesus and officially, you know, mm -hmm. uh, got, gotten, gotten to that point in your life where you cried out to God in a moment and instantly the issues that you were facing, the issues that you cried out to God for, they were gone. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, you have this other area of your life where you're crying out to God for 15 years mm -hmm. for the breakthrough to finally come. And it's not so much that, you know, one of those outcomes or one of those experiences is better than the other. It's right. just that there are times when it's an immediate breakthrough and there's times when you really have to contend in the spirit to, to push something through for whatever reason that is. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's uh, and so I, I think that that's such an inspirational, um, you know, story that we've heard from you so far and just the, the persistence to to keep going until you see the promise of God fulfilled and how God was so faithful where he told you to wait and mm -hmm. he knew where that outcome was going to lead, even though it took a really, really long time for you to you know, actually see the fulfillment of it. And then he also gave me a vision of my husband in the kingdom mm -hmm. and giving his testimony in front of a crowd. So mm -hmm. that was between the wait prayer and the vision. Those were the two things that were kept in my mind through all the hard, difficult years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how important was that to have something that you knew that God had showed you that you could cling to, that you could go back to? How important was it to, to have that to kind of see you through all of that waiting period? I think uh, those are the two things that kept me in the marriage. I, I probably would have left if I didn't get a confirmation from God. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like because that's another thing where we can downplay those things. We can downplay, you know, God sh shows us something, promises us something, uh, whether it's like you, you through a vision or through a dream or if it's a prophetic word or something he just speaks to you as you're reading his word or whatever. But when he speaks, when he shows you something that becomes a, a promise, right, that you can grab hold of, that you can stand on. And I think, man, I was just talking about this earlier today. It's like when you it, it's like when God gives you a promise, when God shows you a glimpse into the future or something like that, it's an invitation, I feel like, to partner with him to get into agreement with him to see that thing come to pass and again sometimes it's really quick and sometimes it's a process and when it's a process it's so important to keep that promise or keep that word keep that vision you know whatever it is to keep it in front of you otherwise it's really easy to get discouraged and as you said like you know i would have quit <laughs> I, I, yeah i believe that and i think that's why god gave it to me uh, and, and he confirmed it uh, not only once, but twice. I, I didn't mention that at the church service that that Sunday was entitled wait, wait on the Lord. And I thought how beautiful God is, you know, to not give me one confirmation, but two or three total. Right. Two or three yeah, witnesses. Beautiful. So, yeah. So I was absolutely sure it was from God so I could hang on to it and trust him. And, you know, I did, too. I just what I did was I just. Uh, poured out my soul to God and and spent my time reading the word. I'd read over and over again. And I loved the Bible. I mean, I was able to understand it at this point. And I had his spirit. And, and it just was like, uh, it was so uh, encouraging to me uh, to be able to read his word and and understand it and, and grow, you know, in the word.
Wow. That's beautiful. So hubby's in the kingdom. Yay. Amen. <laughs> it took a while, but he's doing great. <laughs> what he got there. That's yeah, so he loves to he leads the family in prayer and takes us to church regularly. He's uh you know, he's in uh uh what is it? Uh Christian college right now. Really? And, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What what what's the age range of your kids? Uh, my oldest is 27. My youngest is 12. Wow. Okay. So we got a little gap there. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, cause you were telling me the dynamic of, uh, you know, always having activity in the house and all of that. How, yeah. how much of a blessing is that? I mean, I know it's, uh, you know, you think about having five kids and you think about, you know, all these different things that are going on and, uh, you know, it, it seems I'm sure at times it could seem like chaotic. It could seem like chaos, but how much of a blessing is it to have, uh, just, you know, that the, uh, the abundance of, you know, family like that. I love it. I love it. I was an only child. I've always wanted brothers and sisters. And I said, Lord, when I, when I have my family, I want to have a big family and, uh, our doors are always open to friends and ministry, uh, you know, whatever. So I, I really enjoy it. I also told the Lord, you know, I'm not probably going to have another child, but I'm open to fostering one day or, or adopting. So, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Now that is so needed. Um, right In now, fact, uh, yeah. we have Foster the Bay. It was Foster the Bay. Now it's Foster the City through our church. Okay. And uh, we've actually gotten one or two uh, kids fostered through that uh, program. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I'm totally open. Uh, right now, we don't have a position in our house to do that, but uh, we have property in Oregon. So uh, I hope to do that one day. That's so cool. Yeah, my wife and I um, have talked a lot about that as well, um, fostering mm -hmm. one day. Um, I, I just I, I say it all the time when I whenever I have the opportunity. Those people are my heroes. You know, people that that foster kids, that mm -hmm. adopt kids. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's just it's just so needed. And I feel like that's something that the church, as much as possible, should really be leading the charge on. Um, right. And, uh, you know what I mean? Taking care of orphans, uh, all, all that kind of stuff. Right. And right. Uh, I, and I just I, I, I'm, you know, anybody that does that, I just they're just an instant just hero to me. Oh, I, love it. I think it's great. You know, something we should all do. Yeah. 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 Or I mean, in, in some way, you know, like you said, I mean, if you're not able to um, actually bring a child into your home, you know, maybe there's some other way that you can support somebody who does. You know, one of the things that we talked about, I, I had uh, somebody on the podcast, a friend of mine who's been on a couple of times who who works a lot with um, adoption advocacy in upstate New York. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that we've talked about is like, you know, maybe you can't or at this point in your life, you can't um, bring a child into your home. But, you know, maybe, you know, somebody in your church or somebody like that who does. And so, hey, you know, fix a meal for them once a week or, you know, find ways that you can kind of support that effort, because I think it's the highest form of discipleship there is bringing a child into your home and yeah. raising them in the admonition of the Lord. Um, but, uh, you know, also, it's just something that's so especially now. I mean, this is something that, you know, with uh, the the overturn of roe v wade and and all of that and i mean over the next decade or so i think we're gonna see a foster care system that's already bursting at the seams right uh just go to a total like a nuclear level mm -hmm. and the church really i feel like we need 
systems and programs in place. Not that it's about programs, but I just mean within our churches, we need, um, I feel like some kind of something to yeah. uh, kind of where we can be better at leading the charge for this. Cause if, yeah. if every church in America Foster adopted one child, one child yep, that's it. it'd be over. That's it. Yeah. You should so, check out foster the city. Check that out. Okay. Uh, it's in San, uh, San Francisco Bay area and uh, they they're doing a great job. Uh, that, that's their goal is to have every church foster one child. Mm, wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I love it. Mm -hmm. It's so good. Um, well, okay. So, uh, full circle, I want to just, uh, so you, you wrote this book. Um, so his legacy of love and I get the, the overall premise of the book in this, you share this testimony about God's restoration, right? And the healing that took place in your, in your family, in your marriage. Um, what was the process for you kind of uh like how did the lord kind of lead you into this is something i'm always curious about with with writers uh, how did the lord kind of lead you into that process of of writing this book that's interesting yes well i you know i always had had an idea that i was going to write a book uh throughout my life Uh, point that I'd be a journaling. Uh, I, I was journaling. So I had some many notes down about uh, different things that happened and answered prayer and things like that. So, um, Hey, Lisa, sorry, real quick. I think the um, audio cut out. Okay. I think you're back now. Okay. I think it was just the internet glitch. There was no audio there for a second. So, okay. I'll um, yeah. So just from, we can just, you know, pick it up from, uh, you know, from where you started there. So how did, the Lord kind of lead you into, you know, getting this book out there. So he put it on my heart many years ago to, that I would be writing a book. I didn't know what it would be about, but I, it was in my heart. And there was, there were several times I went to go write, but I had nothing. I couldn't think of what I was going to write about. So I kind of put it on hold. And then after I was born again and my husband came into the faith, that's when the Lord put it back on my heart. And, uh, I was praying one day and he just gave me a snapshot of the whole content page. And it was, you know, the, the different highlights of my life, um, uh, the different points in my life that I wanted to speak about my testimony, basically, uh, in order from start to finish. So that's how it, it was, uh, started. Yeah, very cool. What, what's something that you learned, um, just going off the cuff here, okay? Yeah. <laughs> What's something that, you know, through that process of God bringing that restoration and healing um, into your marriage, um, into your family, um, what's something that you would say that you learned about, about God, about his nature, about his character, that's, you know, now maybe something that, that you are able to share or impart to, to others? Uh, I would say that God is so merciful and kind and his hand is outstretched to us and he really wants us to take his hand and to follow him. It's not his will for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And, uh, and I really feel, um, I feel thankful each day to be alive to, to, uh, and to know that 
uh, in the past, I never knew exactly knew how my sin affected God. I, I just thought, okay, yeah, he forgave all the sins of the world. But one day I realized, no, it was my personal sin that he took upon him, you wow. know? And at that point, my life changed. Uh, when I realized that I, I understood the grace and the mercy that I received personally. And so at that point, uh, you know, I made it my mission to just live for God and to uh, focus on loving my family and loving others and serving him. And at that point, I have to say that my Christian life really began because I was filled with joy and uh, God blessed every step of it. And now being in the ministries that I'm in, uh, I'm just so grateful to him because uh, he brought it full, full circle, like you said, uh, you know, all of the past sin and, and mistakes I made and uh, all the things that I failed at. I'm now able to use those lessons and understanding that I got from God uh, to help other people out of that situation. Mm. That's so good. And, and I love how, you know, we've talked about this. I love how what it's translated into is you really um, serving in a way where you're, you're reaching out to, as the Bible calls it, as Jesus says, the least of these, you know, he says you, you, uh, when he tells the disciples, you know, when I was naked, you clothed me. Um, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. And they're like, we've never done any of those things. Like you've never, we've never, you know what I mean? <laughs> like We've never seen you naked. We've never seen, you know, we've never, you were never in prison. And he's like, right. well, then as much as you've done it for the least of these, you've done it for me. Mm -hmm. And um, would you say, I mean, do you think, I know, I know you did, uh, I asked you about this earlier. You said that it's been, that it was something that you kind of always carried with you, even from a young yeah. age, you would see mm -hmm. people in those situations and mm -hmm. recognize, you know what, like this world is too big. This world is too abundant. Like, why do they need to be living on the street? Why do they have to be living like that? Um, would you say that like this process that you've gone through of, experiencing God's healing and, and just knowing his grace and his mercy and his kindness. Um, would you say like that, did that have a lot to do with kind of um, uh, maybe causing that compassion within you to, to grow, to amplify, to expand to the way that you're, you're using it today to show the love of Christ to people that are, you know, maybe stuck in a situation. I mean, you know, we, we talk about, um, you know, people, people in prison, you know, some people are there um, and they shouldn't be there, uh, right. but, you know, but a lot of people are there because they've made some, you know, pretty rough choices and bad decisions and things like that. And, mm -hmm. you know, but recognizing how good the grace and the mercy and the kindness and the compassion of God is, um, you know, and knowing that you've experienced that, would you say that that was like a big factor in kind of getting you to where you are and doing the ministry that you're doing now? Absolutely. That, that is the motivating factor really uh, for me to go out and reach others. I didn't have uh, anyone to show me. And I looked throughout my life for, for a godly influence, for the way to life, how to live, you know, properly, uh, for encouragement, for, um, you know, uh, for a godly role model, really. I looked all my yeah. life. As a child, I was looking, I was listening to adults and their conversations and you know, just waiting to speak to somebody that, that could help me because I knew there was a better way to live. And so uh, being with these people uh, and knowing their past, and most of them have been through severe trauma, 
all the women, 90% have been through severe trauma. Uh, They've been into broken homes, addiction, uh, abuse, you know, just traumatic uh, lives that they've lived. So with that, knowing that, you know, we can give them the compassion that they need. And uh, many of them, if not most that I've encountered, are totally open to hear what I have to say. They want to hear about God. They want to know how my life is so blessed now uh, compared to the, you know, the 15 years that I spent in addiction and, and why I'm not struggling anymore. So, you know, they're, they're very open and it's, it's a beautiful, precious ministry. Their, their hearts are just, you can see it in their eyes. They're just waiting uh, for instruction and somebody that will uh, care enough to spend some time with them and mentor them. Yeah, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, have has there been and it and uh, I'm just just out of pure curiosity. Has there been like ha, have you heard any criticism or taken any criticism, whether personally or maybe from you know some other people that you know that work in the in this kind of ministry and you know prison and jail ministry? Mm-hmm. Um, ha, is there a lot of criticism that kind of comes in the form of like like why are you ministering? in that way like why are you ministering to those people like your time could be better spent you know mm-hmm. serving you know people that are you know not in jail you know what i mean like has that been no, something that you have not experienced no i have not experienced yeah. any criticism in fact um after reaching out recently for some uh supplies that i needed uh on next door i was overwhelmed with an abundance of uh, donations from my community so I've got about a, a 50 to 60 people now rallying around me, ready to support all the the, the supplies that we need. Uh, I'm having donations dropped off daily from my community. So I'm, I'm seeing a lot of support. Now online, you see people uh, complaining about the homeless and the, the problem with crime and things like that. But if, if we know that we can reach out and help these people and teach them a better way to live, it's going to help our crime situation, isn't it? If we can teach them how to live without committing crime. So uh, it's a great way to uh, serve your community uh, and help out. Yeah, it's amazing. It's Mm -hmm. awesome. I love it. I I hadn't even made that connection um, Mm -hmm. until you said that just now, that you being in such close proximity to like San Francisco, um, I mean, it's because... I mean, San Francisco and L.A. are two of the, you know, the cities in our country that have probably been the most affected by the homelessness issue. Right. I feel like San Francisco. I mean, I've just heard things. Obviously, I'm very far away from there, but I've I've heard that they've um, made some decent strides to repairing some of the the brokenness in the city. Um, They just passed a law. law. I'm so excited for the homeless that uh, they're going to get they're going to be first to receive services. And if uh, people are lost in addiction or mental illness, they can pick them up with their family's permission and bring them in for treatment. So really? that's a huge uh, step really? in the right direction. Yes. Wow. Uh, so that takes place next year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So we're excited about that one because uh, we had a homeless man live down the street for many years and we would care for him and offer him help. And uh, he just wanted food and and water 
a Coke occasionally. Uh, but we could never convince him to go get help. His mental illness was so severe that he really believed that God had him on that corner and he was supposed to be there. Wow. Well, things got so bad and he was in such a horrible condition and it just broke my heart. And I reached out to my uh, prayer team and we would pray for him. And uh, finally, uh, there, there was a heat wave and uh, apparently the he, he had a heat, uh, I guess he overheated and the ambulance came and they did take him in. So I haven't seen him again, but, you know, people like that really need our help. Uh, we have to champion yeah. for these people who can't make good choices and who live like that uh, without, you know, proper hygiene and, and fresh mm. clothes and food, things like that. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. And and I mean, and, and again, these the, the communities that you have chosen to dedicate so much of your life to serving and sharing the love of Christ with, again, with the least of these. Right. It's it's their areas of society that um, they're they're clear areas in Scripture that we are uh, supposed to have compassion for. And mm -hmm. we're supposed to put action with that compassion. Right. But there are areas where it's so easy to overlook or mm -hmm. it's areas where it's so easy to say because it's not really at the end of the day, it, it doesn't affect most of us right. on, on a personal level. Right. Because mm -hmm. we're kind of removed from it or at right. least a lot, you know, a lot of the churches or a lot of Christians are just uh, because of, yeah, just because of life, you know, mm -hmm. but it's, and so it's easy to kind of overlook or to say, as eh, someone else will do that, someone else will get to that. And it's so important, like you said, I mean, uh, just ha knowing how much mercy and grace that we have all received um, to, yeah, to, to, I, I just think be active and be proactive about finding ways to, demonstrate and to you know put that on display i mean it's something that i mean paul said to the galatian uh, the galatian church he's like um you know it was important to me that or, or they said i'm pretty sure it's the galatian church <laughs> i could be wrong about that some biblical <laughs> scholar is gonna yeah. gonna drill me for this one You'll get it wrong, but, comments, right? but yeah about like um uh like they just said that it was it was th their desire that they wanted to um, to reach out to the poor. And mm -hmm. Paul's like, that was the same desire that I had, you know? And, okay. and it's just this thing that's supposed to be a part of the church. It's supposed to be a part of God's people, um, reaching out to those that are in situations where, you know, maybe they are helpless or they, um, you know, whatever the case is, but just, yeah, that, that, that compassion and, um, recognizing the, the grace and mercy that we've received, which I think, especially in this country, we could get so kind of complacent about. Mm -hmm. But when we really take a moment and we think about how good God has been to us, and, and if we're really honest about that, then we, we can't help but demonstrate that, that love and compassion to others. You know? That's true, yes. And we don't have to look at the whole picture. You know, the whole picture is overwhelming. There's too many people homeless, right? But we can look yeah. uh, on our way home from work, uh, in our community, the, the the people that we see in our in our circle, and we can help those people easily. You know, share what you have, share a meal, share a uh, you know an extra pair of jeans, whatever, whatever you have to share, and maybe a prayer. You know, for that person, and it can change their life. We've seen it. Uh, it's exciting. We over the years, you know, in our homeless ministry, uh, we saw um, 
several people come off the street and uh, now they're in church and they're baptized and they're serving God. So it's, it's really not difficult. It's just sharing the love of Christ and uh, sharing what you have making oatmeal. We made oatmeal for a few years and they loved my oatmeal. It cost wow. me what? $5 yeah, to like feed nothing. 50 people, $5. <laughs> and they loved it. And I thought, Oh, I, you know, it's, it's just oatmeal, but they, they thought it was great. <laughs> so love it. Yeah. Love it so much. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having this conversation with me. It's uh, been so much fun just hearing about your, your life and your story and your ministry. Uh, I want to make sure that we highlight uh, your book, His Legacy of Love, which is available on Amazon. Um, but is there anywhere else that you would point people to or any other resources that you'd like to mention before we uh, wrap it up here? No. The book I actually uh, give away uh, uh, online. I give away my ebooks. Uh, so if anybody would like a copy of that, they can message me directly. Or uh, I also give it away in my uh, prison ministry and homeless ministry as well. So oh, that's that so would cool. be the one place that you could find it. Yeah. That's so cool. And so uh, if somebody wanted to message you, would that be on LinkedIn or what would be the best yes. place? Where do LinkedIn you... would be the best. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, very cool. Lisa Hamilton, thanks so much again for your time. Appreciate, Appreciate you. It. And uh, yeah, we'll have to do it again someday. I hope so. Thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, well, thank you, everybody, for taking the time to check out this episode. Really, really appreciate you guys as well. Uh, if the content of this episode uh, blessed you or challenged you or something like that, I would love to hear from you. Um, feel free to reach out on any one of the social media platforms. And um, if you're listening to this on one of the podcast platforms, don't forget to subscribe and uh, either comment or leave a review. Uh, that's super, super helpful. Appreciate you guys so much. Have an awesome day and uh, see you next time. Lisa, again, take care. God bless Thank you. Thank you very much. God bless you as well.